ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار اما بعد we continue with the sunday sisters classes and normally we are covering the tafsir of surah al-fatiha and matters of jurisprudence connected to women's affairs and benefits from the biographies of the wives of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in light of it being ramadan the topic of today's talk is connected to the narration which is on the authority of abdullah ibn umar رضي الله عنهما قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تمنعوا نساءكم المساجد وبيوتهن خير لهن 
Abdullah bin Umar radiyallahu anhuma he stated that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said do not prevent your woman from the masajid and their homes are better for them do not prevent your woman from the masajid and their homes are better for them this narration is collected in the sunan of abi dawood also in the musnad of imam ahmad and it is a sound uh, narration there are other narrations on other than abdullah ibn umar radiyallahu anhuma and they are also sound and the meaning is similar from those narrations is one now is the narration where the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said to his wife sauda inna allaha qad adhina lakunna أن تخرجنا لحاجة كنا. Indeed, Allah has allowed for you, meaning allow for you women to go out of the homes to fulfill your needs. Indeed, Allah has allowed for you women to go out of the homes to fulfill your needs. Another narration we have on the authority of Zainab al-Thaqafiyya radiyallahu anha an Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala Iza shahidat ihda kunna al-isha fala tatayyab tilka al-layla the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that when one of you women witnesses the Isha, meaning you come to the masjid to pray Salat al-Isha, do not perfume yourselves that night. These narrations and others, they show that woman in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam they will go out to the masajid or to the masjid of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam but there are rules and regulations that are connected with that it's not just the woman just get up, get up and go to the masjid in any state but there are rules and regulations Another narration 
to show that women in the time of the Prophet sallallahu they would attend the the salat in the masjid the hadith of Umm Salama radiyallahu anha كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا سلم قام النساء that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he would give the salams meaning in the prayer assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah حين يقضى تسليمه ويمكث هو في مقامه يسيرا قبل أن يقوم so the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he would give these salams, the woman would stand up when his salams was done. وَيَمْكُذْ هُوَ فِي مَقَامِهِ And then the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, would remain in his place. يَسِيرًا يعني for a short period of time, قَبْلَ أَنْ يَكُمْ Before he would get up and leave. In this, Barakallah Fikum, the scholars they mention that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was given the woman an opportunity to leave the masjid before the men leave out so that they do not mix with the men. So when he would sit, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the men from the sahaba, they would sit with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They wouldn't leave until he got up and left. So this gave the woman the opportunity to leave the masjid without leaving at the same time that the men are leaving and as a result become mixed with the men. But the shahid or the point from that narration, it shows that women would come to the masjid. There is a narration that mentions keep your woman away from the masjid, keep your children away from the masjid, and keep your insane away from the masjid. Al-Nisa, Al-Awlad, or Al-Majnoon. This narration is weak. It's not authentically reported on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And it is not to be used as a proof or a reason to prevent women and children from coming to the masjid. As women and children, they came to the masjid in the time of the Prophet wasallam. As we see from some of these narrations, the women were there praying in the masjid with the Prophet wasallam. Even from the narration that when the Imam makes a mistake, then the men 
we correct the imam by saying subhanallah how do the woman correct by hitting the, hitting the back of their hand that's an indication that woman prayed in congregational prayer right or wrong that's not just for in the home but even outside of the home in the masjid Also, the narration where the young Sahabi, he was poor, and when he would bend over to make rukur, the woman can see like his backside. So a complaint was mentioned. Yes, so that. Uh, his backside is not exposed to the women who are praying behind. The Prophet ﷺ then encouraged that someone give and aid him so that he can cover himself. Or the narration, the best roles uh, for the men are the first roles, and the worst roles for the men are the last roles, and the best roles for the women are the last rows, and the worst rows for them are the first rows, sort of because the first row is closer to the men. As we know in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there was no barrier between the men and the women, and it was just one area. The men prayed in the front, the women uh, prayed behind. And again, there are many, many narrations that show that the woman came out in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But the focus we want to put on is the narration of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma. لا تمنعوا نساءكم المساجد وبيوتهن خير لهن do not prevent your women from the masajid and their homes are better for them. This statement, do not prevent your women from the masajid, is addressed to the husbands, the fathers, the men who are responsible for the women, the guardians over the women. The Prophet Wasallam is addressing them because they are the ones who are responsible for the women folk in their home. As Allah mentions, Ar-Rijal Qawwamuna ala nisa that the men are the protectors and the maintainers of the woman. It is the duty and responsibility of the men in Islam to protect and to maintain the woman. And as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, وَالرَّجُلْ رَعِنْ فِي بَيْتِهِ And the man is a shepherd in his home. وَهُوَ مَسْقُولٌ عَنْ رَعِيَتِهِ And he is responsible for his flock. So the man who is the head of the household, he is responsible for the woman folk in his home. Even if his mother lives with him, he's responsible for her. If his sister lives with him, he's responsible for her because she's under his home. He's taking care of her. He is to protect her. 
He is to maintain her and not subject her to anything that will cause harm or detriment to her life, her property, and her honor. These are the three main things that we as men are responsible to protect and maintain. The blood and the property and the honor of the Muslim woman. The Muslim women, they are sacred just as the Muslim men are sacred. As the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned, قُلُوا الْمُسْلِمِ عَلَى الْمُسْلِمِ حَرَامٌ دَمُهُ وَمَالُهُ وَعِرْضُهُ That every Muslim is sacred to another Muslim. His blood, his property, and his honor. This includes women also. Even though Muslim is mentioned, referring to the Muslim male, but it includes the woman also. As the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, النِّسَاءَ شَقَائِقُ الرِّجَالِ That the women, they are the twin halves of men. And what is meant by the women are the twin halves of men, The women, they are obligated just as the men are obligated in Islam. The women are rewarded just as the men are rewarded in Islam. The women have responsibilities to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to follow the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam just as the men. And whatever the men get a reward, the women get the same reward too. Except in those cases in which the text shows there's a difference. That this matter is specifically for the men. Or this matter is specifically for the woman. Other than that, what goes for the men goes for the woman. Allah Azza mentions مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنْ فَلَنُّحِيَّنَّهُ حَيَاتٍ طَيِّبًا That whoever does good, a good deed, whether a male or female, Allah says that, whether a male or female, we will cause the person to live a good life. No difference here. Whoever does good, whether a male or whether a female, and the person is a believer, We will cause the person to live a good life. So the good life comes from being a believer and doing good. It doesn't matter whether you are a man or a, or a woman. And alhamdulillah, texts like this that we find in the Quran and texts that we find in the Sunnah and Nisa, Shaka'at, Rijal and other than that, these are the texts, Barakallah Fikum, that we put into the face of those who accuse Islam of being a religion that's male chauvinistic. 
or everything is for the men. And the women, they are oppressed. And the women, they don't have rights to the end. And there needs to be a Muslim woman's liberation movement in the likes. Allah has liberated the woman. Because when you look at the state of woman prior to Islam, and look at the state of women today who are not within the folds of Islam, clearly we see that women were used and are used as objects <coughs> taken advantage of, not given their rights, and other than that. Women were just like property, especially prior to the coming of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we find the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the farewell hajj is Tawsu bin Nisa Khayr. I advise you and command you with treating the woman with goodness. This is from the last of that which the Prophet Wasallam mentioned to the Ummah. So the women, alhamdulillah, in Islam, they have their rights. And there are things that are put in place for the protection of the woman. The disbelievers and the adversaries look at these measurements or rules and regulations and matters that are put in place for the protection of the, of the Muslim woman. They look at these things as being oppression. You know why? Because these matters that are put in place, these boundaries that are set, they are obstacles in the way of them getting to our woman. So now it's oppression. You understand? Why do you think they view the hijab of the woman as being oppressive? Because they want to see our woman. So now, right, Ahsan, they don't have access to our woman. So now, it's, the Muslim women are being oppressed, we have to liberate them. Why? So that you can abuse them? <laughs> so that you can take advantage of them? So that you can use them to sell your products, exposing their sexuality and, and other than that? This is why the hijab is oppressive, so that you are now able to have access to them, so that you can really oppress them? This is the issue with them. You look at the things that they focus on. Oh, a Muslim man is allowed to have more than one wife. So what are you doing? Individuals going around having affairs. The woman who is the mistress, she has no rights in Islam. She doesn't inherit. Or she has no, I should say, has no rights in Islam. She has no rights with that individual in, in their practices of infidelity. At least in the matter of plural marriage in Islam, 
the woman, she's a wife, and she's recognized as being a wife. And the woman, she has rights, just as the first wife has rights. And if the man was to die before her, she inherits from that man. Different from the practice of the disbelievers, the husband dies, the wife gets everything, the mistress has left nothing. And she's a secret. And he may even have children with that woman. Out of wedlock. The children are not recognized because it's a wrong situation. And she's a secret. So these individuals from the adversaries of Islam, when they come with these slogans of liberating the Muslim woman and our Muslim women are oppressed and they want to give our women freedom, What they mean by that is that they want access to our women so that they can really oppress them and misuse them and capitalize off of their sexuality and other than that. Allah He mentions in the Quran وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنَّ وَلَا تَبَرَّجَنَا تَبَرَّجَ الْجَاهِلِيَةِ الْأُولَى And remain in your homes. This is Allah speaking to the wives of the Prophet ﷺ first and foremost, and then the Muslim woman. Remain in your homes and do not make a dazzling display of yourselves like they used to do in the pre-Islamic times of ignorance. Here, there is the command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the woman to remain in their homes. This is the origin. This is the origin, that the women are to remain in their homes. In another recitation, وَقِرْنَا with a kasra. You have waqarna and you have waqirna. Waqarna it means to remain in your homes without moving about. Waqirna it means be the people of tranquility. Be the people of tranquility. Meaning by this that when the women are in their homes, they should be at ease in their homes. So one recitation commands for them to remain in their homes. The other recitation commands for them to have tranquility and be at ease in their homes. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, in your homes, attributing the homes to the woman, and of course in most cases, the homes are the properties of the men. 
But here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has attributed the homes to the woman. And the scholars, they say the wisdom behind this, because the home is the special place for the woman. And it is her place that she is mostly in. So Allah, in this case, attributed the homes to the woman because the women are home more so than the men. Another point <clears throat> that this is an honor for the woman that the home is attributed to her and she has a special place in the home and it is not to be looked at as it being a prison for her Rather, the home is a means of her protection. There was a study that was done here in America some time ago where many of the women were asked would they rather go out into the working field or would they prefer to remain home and not have to work? The results of the study were amazing. The majority of these women and it was like in the 70s percent said they would rather be home and not have to be forced to go out into the working field and this study was done with the non-muslim women it wasn't with muslim women it was the non-muslim women because that's the fitrah of the woman that she is not the one who has to go out and exert her strength and her minds to earn a living for the family. This is the responsibility and the duty of the men. But we find, unfortunately, people downplay this matter and say, well, this is old-fashioned and this is taking away from the rights of the woman and Again, the liberation movement. But here it is, the women of this era, the majority of them said they wish they had the ability to stay home and not have to go out into the work field. And this is from their study with their women. Also, Allah commands in the verse, that they do not make a dazzling display of themselves as in the first times of the pre-Islamic ignorance.
Meaning by this, going out of the home not properly dressed and covered, displaying their beauty. And this barakallahu fikum is for the purpose of they're not being fitna in the society. As we, we see and we witness here, the fitna that takes place in the streets do to the woman making a dazzling display of themselves. The rules and regulations of Islam, they are in place for the protection of the individuals, families, communities, and the society as a whole. The hijab of the Muslim woman is a protection for her and it also is a protection for the men. Especially those men who do not have the discipline to lower their gaze. The hijab is the preventive measure to protect the woman from being looked at in a sexual manner or in a deviant manner. So this is not oppression, this is protection. This is not oppression, this is protection. So this is the origin that the women are to remain in their homes and be at ease in their homes. And with that being said, us as men, we should make the homes comfortable for the women as much as we are able to according to our means. Especially if our wives, our daughters and the women under our care, they're going to be in the homes we should do our best to make the home comfortable for them. Providing that which they are in need of to limit the reason for them having to go out. And of course, that is within the means of the man. However, there are times when it is allowed for the woman to go out. And from those times is when they want to go to the masjid. The Prophet said, Do not prevent your woman from the masajid. In their homes are better for them. Do not prevent your woman from the masajid. gives the indication that the women are to seek permission from their husbands or 
daughters from their fathers or those men who are in charge of them in the homes, they are to seek permission to go out. And they are not to just leave the home. And it is not known where they are. And this is based on another narration إذا إذا استأذنكم نساءكم بالليل إلى المسجد فأذنوا لهن. That when your women seek your permission during the night to go to the masjid, give them the permission. This is addressed to who? The men. And that narration is in the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari. Sahih Bukhari. People wondering, is the narration authentic? Yes, the narration is authentic. On the authority of Abdullah ibn Umar. And there's a story that Abdullah ibn Umar, he had mentioned the narration, do not prevent uh, your woman from the masajid of Allah. His son has said, and as for me, I'm not letting my wife go to the masjid. So Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu an, he rebuked his son strongly. And he said, I'm telling you that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, do not prevent the woman from the masjid and you still say you're going to prevent your wife? He said, wallahi, I will never say anything to you again. And he didn't speak to him until he died. Why did he rebuke him in such a strong manner? Because his son was opposing a matter of the sunnah, putting his intellect before the text. He probably believed, or from what was apparent, he believed that he was justified in preventing his wife, even though the Prophet said, Sallallahu don't prevent them. And the mannerisms of him and towards the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu So Abdullah bin Umar, he rebuked and reprimanded his son severely. And he didn't speak to him until he died. He boycotted him to his death. So, but the one, the point is that the woman when they want to go out to the masajid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is upon them to seek the permission of their husbands. They don't just go out. Unless there is an understanding between them that she doesn't have to call him every time she wants to go to the masjid. But other than that, if there is no understanding, the woman has to seek permission from her husband to leave the home. Is this oppression or is it protection? It's protection. It's protection. So that the husband is aware of the whereabouts of his wife. And that's a part of protecting the woman. Just like when you protect your children, 
part of protecting your children, and it's not to say that women are children, but a part of protecting your loved ones is knowing their whereabouts, knowing the situation that they are in. If something happens, then you know the last place that your loved ones were supposed to be. And you have uh, an idea where to start if they go missing or the likes. So a man is not allowed to prevent his wife or the woman folk from the masajid of Allah unless there is a legislative reason like there's danger in the society, there's fitna in the society. Or there is a rapist loose or people who are doing armed robberies loose in the neighborhood and the women are being targeted and this is known. So out of fear of the woman being victimized, yes, the husband in this case can say no. Or she wants to go out but she's perfumed. She has perfume on the husband smells and he says, no, you can't go out smelling like this. Or she wants to go out and she's not properly covered. She doesn't have the proper hijab. The man is allowed to prevent her. Because Islamically, the women are not allowed to go out like that. Perfumed, not properly covered. So the man in this case is within his right to prevent the woman from going to the massage. But as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, but their homes are better for them. There is a narration on the authority of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. The Prophet said, Salatul Mur'a fi baytiha afdal min salatiha fi hujratiha. That the prayer of the woman within her home this is better for her than the prayer that is like on the outskirts of the home. Say for instance a woman she has a house or the house there's a yard and is, is gated. Her praying in, within the yard is better than her praying in the masjid. But her praying inside of the house is better than her praying in the yard. And her praying within the bedroom is better than her praying in the living room. So the more secluded she is, the more protected and covered she is, and that's better for her. Her praying in the masjid, that's near her home, is better than her praying in a masjid that's further away from her home. Meaning the closer to home she is, or the more secluded 
she is in relation to the prayer, the better it is for her. This is what we find from the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. indicates that he says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this narration is on the authority of um hamid al-sa'idiyya annaha ja'at ila rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faqalat ya rasulullah inni uhib as-salata ma'ak so um hamid she came to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said oh messenger of allah i love to pray with you He said, قَدْ عَلِمْتِ He said, I know. He said, وَالصَّلَاتُكِ فِي بَيْتِكِ خَيْرٌ لَكِ مَنْ صَلَاتِكِ فِي حُجْرَتِكِ وَالصَّلَاتُكِ فِي حُجْرَتِكِ خَيْرٌ مِنْ صَلَاتِكِ فِي دَارِكِ وَالصَّلَاتُكِ فِي دَارِكِ خَيْرٌ مِنْ صَلَاتِكِ مِنْ صَلَاتِكِ فِي مَشْرِدِ قَوْمِكِ وَالصَّلَاتُكِ وَصَلَاتُكِ فِي مَشْرِ قَوْمِكِ خَيْرٌ مِنْ صَلَاتِكِ فِي مَشْرِ الْجَمَاعَةِ أو كما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم So the first thing the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he mentioned صَلَاتُكِ فِي بَيْتِكِ خَيْرٌ لَكِ مِنْ صَلَاتِكِ فِي حُجْرَتِكِ That the, your prayer inside of your home is better than your prayer than like outside of the home but within the boundaries of the home or the property and then your prayer with like within close proximity of the home is better than your prayer like maybe like on a further or out, more outside part of the property. But then her prayer there on the property, but more so outside of the actual inside of the home, is better than your prayer in the masjid of your people. Meaning the masjid is near to her home. And your prayer in the masjid of your people is better than your prayer in the masjid of the jama'ah. So it goes to show, barakallah fikum, the closer she is to home, or the more secluded she is from being out, the better it is for her. And then mind you, the Prophet wasallam is saying this in Medina. And we know prayer in the Prophet's masjid is better than 1,000 prayers. The woman in that time, the Prophet is telling her her prayer in her home is better than basically prayer in his masjid. And that's the point of benefit. In the time of the Prophet وسلم, he's saying to the woman, that her prayer in her home is better than her prayer in the masjid. And that includes his masjid. 
and prayer in his masjid is better than 1,000 prayers. The narration that was mentioned that when the woman they seek your permission at night to go to the masjid, then allow them to go or give them the permission. Some of the ulama they say. that this is the time when the woman should go to the masjid at night, when it's dark, meaning that they are not seen. As it is mentioned that the woman will pray Salat al-Fajr with the Prophet wasallam, and then they will leave and they will not be able to recognize one another. So some scholars, they say the times for the woman to go out to the masajid is for Salatul Isha and Salatul Fajr. Because of the statement, when they seek your permission at night. And then the other narration that when the woman will go out to pray with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and it's a hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, لا يعرفنا. They would not be known, I meaning they couldn't tell who they were due to it still being dark outside. Other scholars, they say this was an example that was given by the Prophet, and it doesn't mean that they are not allowed to go out other than that time. And the hadith that mentions that when one of you wants to witness the Isha, then do not let the woman not perfume herself this night. This doesn't mean that, okay, so if she wants to go out for Buhu, she can perfume herself. Or if she wants to go out for Asa, she can perfume herself. No, this is just an example that's being given. And not that there's a, the opposite understanding, but if, if it's another Salat, then she is allowed to go out perfumed. So yes, it is allowed for the woman to go out for any of the salats, provided that they get the permission and provided that there is safety and security and no fitna that can come to them. And even after the time of the Prophet the woman will go out In the time of the Khulafa al-Rashidin. 
there is a narration on Aisha radiallahu anha where she stated, Lo adraka Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ma ahdatha nisa la mana'ahunna al-masjid. She said, if the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will have come across that which the woman have introduced, then he would have prevented them from the masjid. Number one, this shows that the woman was still going out to the masjid after the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. However, as Aisha radiallahu anha, and the scholars, they say this was ijtihad from her, and this is not to be taken as a ruling. She said that if the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would see the state of the woman today, then he would have prohibited her. However, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he died, and the religion is complete. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he knew what was going to take place in the future from the behavior of the woman. But yet, he allowed the Prophet ﷺ to die and the rules are what they are in relation to women going out to the masjid. That we are generally, we do not prevent the woman from going to the masjid. So as for the statement of Aisha radiallahu anha, her statement cannot be used to override the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Where she said, if the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would have reached, or I mean, if he would have been alive to see what these women are doing today, then he would have prevented them from the masjid. Another point, Barakallahu Fikum, is the woman when they come out to the masjid, it is upon them to observe the mannerisms of coming to the masjid. Number one, she should not be perfumed. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned, إِذَا شَهِدَتْ إِحْدَى كُنَّ الْمَشْهِدْ فَلَا تَمَسَّطِيبًا That when one of you wants to come to the masjid, the other narration mentioned, Salat al-Isha. This narration is just mentioned, masjid then do not touch perfume. Meaning that when she wants to go out, she should not perfume herself, because when a woman perfumes herself, 
this is the cause of fitna. Because when she walks by men and the men smell her perfume, this stirs up their desires. And the Prophet described the woman who goes out of her home perfume in order for her scent to be smelled, she's a zaniya. She's a zaniya. A zaniya, a woman who commits zina, adultery or fornication. But here, her being a zaniya, this is the lesser form of zina. Because remember, there is zina of the hand, there's zina of the eyes, there's zina of the tongue. The feet walk towards zina. But the true zina, or the major zina, I should say, is either confirmed or denied by the private parts. A woman who perfumes herself, she's opening up the door to the major zina. Because now if a man smells her, her, her scent from the perfume, this stirs up his desires, so now he may approach her. And when he approaches her, this opens up the door for the dialogue, the dialogue opens up the door to emotions and feelings, and then that opens up the door to zina. And how many cases of zina have taken place due to women being perfumed? Meaning, that was the opening. So when the man smells her, he says, oh, you smell nice today, what you wearing? Oh, this is such and such and such and such. And now the conversation starts. Oh, you look nice today. And then from the speech, the speech turns into actions. So to avoid this problem and to cut off this avenue of evil, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam forbade that a woman, she leaves the home perfumed. That narration is on the authority of Abu Musa al-Ashri. Radiyallahu an, qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, idha sta'atarat al-mur'a fammarrat ala al-qawm, لِيَجِدُوا رِيحَهَا فَهِيَ كَذَا وَكَذَا قَالَ قَوْلًا شَدِيدًا وَفِي لَوْذْ فَهِيَ زَانِيًا Abu Musa al-Ashri, he mentioned that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned that when a woman perfumes herself and then she passes by a people for them to smell her scent, then she is like this and this. And he said a severe word. 
In another narration it says, فَهِيَ zania. She's a zania. And this is not only connected to perfume, but it also is connected to the scented lotions, because it's perfumed, even though it's lotion, but the lotion is perfumed. And the sisters, they have to be very careful not to be heedless and absent-minded when it comes to how they leave the home. Because they do not want to open up a door or an avenue for men to approach them. These rules and regulations are in place for the protection of the woman. The wearing of the hijab, not perfuming herself. So when she's seen out in public, it is known that this is a different caliber of woman. This is a different type of woman. This is not a woman that you can just approach and just be with her. This is not a woman who is loose. Rather, this is a chaste woman. This is not a woman that you have easy access to. And I say this to my noble sisters. May Allah Azza wa Jal bless you for that which you uphold of the Islamic hijab. When you leave your homes and other than that what you do of good, may Allah bless you and accept your good. Be mindful, my noble beloved sisters, not to disgrace the hijab. Don't disgrace the hijab with your bad manners in public. Right? And this doesn't mean now if you have bad manners, well, I might as well take the hijab off. So I don't want to disgrace the hijab. So I'm not going to wear the hijab and then be acting up. No, straighten out your character. Behave yourself properly with the correct Islamic mannerisms. Not, well, I don't want to make the Muslim woman look bad, so I'm going to continue to sin, but I'm not going to wear the hijab. No, stop sinning. But be aware, my noble sisters, of disgracing the hijab. And I say this from the aspect of Muslim women wearing hijab, but they they have lewd acts, and they are not being chaste. Even though the clothing is the clothing of a chaste woman, but their behavior is not chaste. And they're having relationships that are inappropriate for them to have. Number one, you're disgracing yourself and belittling yourself. You are a woman that Allah has favored with Iman. You are a woman that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has honored by allowing you to be within the folds of Islam. Respect yourself. Secondly, don't bring harm to your Muslim sisters who are innocent. Due to the behavior of some of the Muslim women, and I want to say, and I'm saying that they are the minority, this is not the majority. But due to the misbehaving of some of our Muslim sisters, 
the impression is given that all the Muslim women are like this. And this is not the case. So don't be a cause for your Muslim sister to be harassed because the situation that you was in was inappropriate and now this individual thinks that all Muslim women are like this. Preserve your honor and preserve the honor of your sisters. The Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned أيما امرأة تطيبت ثم خرجت إلى المسجد لم تقبل لها صلاة حتى تغتسل Any woman that perfumes herself and then she goes out to the masjid her prayer will not be accepted until she washes the smell or the scent off of her. This narration is in the Sunan of Ibn Majah and it is, an, is a good narration declared to be sound by Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah. So now here's another issue. If you decide you're not going to listen, I'm going to put perfume or I'm going to perfume my body, I'm going to the masjid. As long as you have that scent and smell upon you, your prayer is not accepted. Is that enough now? Some women, subhanAllah wa bihamdi, the hadith of the Prophet saying that fahiyya zaniya is not enough for them. Because what's their rationale? Well, I'm not going out for nobody to smell me because the hadith says the woman who goes out in order to be smelled by the people. That's not my intentions. Actions are by intentions. I'm smelling good for myself. Right or wrong, the woman, Sopana, the woman, they, they're thinkers too. <laughs> She'll come with this rationale. I'm smelling good for myself. I'm not going out for the men to smell me. I want to smell good for my, I like to smell good. Your prayer is not accepted until you wash that scent off of your body. It's not the hadith. The Prophet said that any woman who goes out perfume or any woman who perfumes herself, thumma kharajat ila al-masjid lam tukbal laha salatun hatta taqtasil. That her salat is not accepted until she makes the ghusl. What's the purpose of the ghusl? To wash the scent off of her body. And again, going back to the point that when a woman is perfumed, whether or not she perfumes herself to be smelled by men, or she perfumes herself 
for her own self-satisfaction to smell good for herself, the men smell the perfume is going to stare up, the, stare up their desires. And this is something that is not good and praiseworthy. Because some men, unfortunately, they don't have self-control. Some of these men in the streets, they are savages. So they get stirred up, they may try to rape the woman. They may try to rape the woman. So understand, my noble sister, that this is in place for your protection. Another point, to cover some more points and then end for the time. When a woman goes out, it is upon her to make sure that she is covered properly. That she has the proper Islamic hijab In the Islamic proper hijab is found in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well as the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There is a narration, the Prophet sallallahu he stated, ثَلَاثَةٌ لَا عَنْهُمْ There are three types of people, don't ask about them. رَجُلٌ فَارَقَ الْجَمَعَةِ وَعَصَى إِمَامَهُ وَمَاتَ عَاصِيًا A person who has separated from the jama'ah and he disobeys the Muslim ruler and he dies in the state of being disobedient. Don't ask about him. وَأَمَتٌ abdun abaqa famat. And a runaway slave, male or female, or female or male. And here's the, the shahid here. وَامْرَأَةٌ غَابَ عَنْهَا زَوْجُهَا قَدْ كَفَاهَا مُؤْنَةَ الدُّنْيَا فَتَبَرَّجَتْ بَعْدَهُ فَلَا تَسْأَلْ عَنْهُمْ And a woman whose husband is absent, he's not present. Perhaps he's traveling or other than that. But he has sufficed her when it comes to her worldly needs. And then after that, she goes out of the home displaying herself. Meaning she leaves the home without the proper Islamic hijab. The Prophet ﷺ said, don't ask about her. What this means, 
that even though the man has taken care of the woman, she betrays him and she goes out of her home beautified, displaying her beauty. And this barakallah fikum is another point that when a woman goes out of her home and she does not cover herself with the proper Islamic covering, not only is she disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but this is a betrayal to her husband. Because she is displaying and showing that which is his right alone to see and not the foreign men in the street. So this statement, don't ask about them, is an indication of the magnificent or the magnitude of the sin of her going out and she is not covered properly. And here the deception or the betrayal is because the husband is not present. And the woman, they need to be careful that even when your husbands are not present, this doesn't give you an allowance to misbehave. The things that you would not do in his presence, out of respect for him as your Muslim husband, don't do it outside of his presence. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is watching. So the woman must wear the proper hijab. Number one, the hijab is to cover the entire body. And yes, there is a difference of opinion between the scholars in relation to the face and the hands. But if a woman is of the opinion, based upon knowledge, not following her desires, that it is allowed for her to show her face and hands, then that means face and hands. That's it. Not neck, not ears, not feet. But if the woman is of the opinion that the face and the hands are not to be shown, then the entire body must be covered. And this is a long discussion, and maybe one day we bring the proofs and evidences on both sides, and then mention that which is the strongest of the opinions, be it in Allah, that the scholars, that some of the scholars have arrived to, based upon the proofs and evidences and the arguments against the other position. But these are the two positions. So a woman, her body is to be covered. Also, the garment is not to be thin. 
to where it can show or is transparent I should say where it can show the color of her skin and the garment is not to be tight where it can where it shows the shape of her body as you have some women they they put an overgarment on but then the overgarment is tight showing the shape of her different body parts this is tabarruj this is making a dazzling display of yourself even though there are garments covering your body but it's as if you are naked and this type of woman is or was seen by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to be in the hellfire al-kasiyat ra'ariyat women who are clothed but naked and the scholars they say they are clothed because there is clothing on their body but it's as if they're naked because you can see basically the parts of their body still even through the clothing so be careful my sisters of wearing overgarments that are tight fit on your body and we see some sisters they have overgarments that have like elastic around the waist and it sticks to the side this is not allowed the garment should be loose and flowing and your body parts should not be able to be seen with details also the garment is not to be a dress or garment that resembles the clothing of the disbelieving woman because one of the purposes of the hijab is that the woman is recognized as being a believing woman also a part of the uh, your dress code your jewelry should not be out your bangles, ankle bracelets, these things should not be shown they should not be seen publicly the garment is to come down over the feet and we find in this day and time there has been a role reversal between the men and the women what is the role reversal? the men are dragging their garments down below their ankles over their feet and the women got their garments up over them the, women, the, uh, the men are dragging their garments down below their ankles coming over the feet and the women have their garments over their ankles the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he mentioned la'anallah المتشبهين من الرجال بالنساء ومتشبهات من النساء بالرجال أو كما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم that Allah he curses the men who resemble women and he curses the women who resemble men having the garments below the ankles this is for the women having the garments above the ankles this is for the men be careful my sisters
the garment should not be a garment that is dazzling, meaning it attracts the people, because this is the opposite of the objective of the hijab. The hijab is not to attract the people to you, it's to deter the people away from you, meaning the unwanted advances of the men. This doesn't mean that the garment is to be dirty and raggedy, no. It should be a simple garment, but not a garment that has all of these uh, like embroideries and some sort of rhinestones on and it's shiny and it's, it attracts the people. No, this is not the allowed dress. If a woman wants to wear a dazzling dress, a sparkling dress, then let her wear it under her abaya overgarment. And then when she's amongst the woman folk, then she takes off her hijab and then she has the beautiful dress under. That's allowed. Same time she can perfume herself, right? When it's around the... But not, but if she has to go back into the public, no. But if it's a gathering where the woman is just going to be amongst the woman and they're not subjected to being smelled by men and going back out into the public, yes, amongst themselves. Let's just say as an example, the woman they have um, a gathering and they're going to be staying in a place overnight. And then while they're there, they perfume themselves and the lights and they have their gathering and then the next day when they're going to return back, they wash and then they go back out with the correct, yes, there's no harm in that. But not going to a gathering, perfuming herself, and then when she leaves the gathering, she's perfumed. Because now she's going to fall into that prohibition of being going out into the public perfumed. When the women are amongst themselves, yes, they are allowed to, you know, dress with the uh, beautiful, attractive uh, dresses. But even with that, the scholars has, have stated that the women ought to be modest uh, in their dress, even when they are amongst themselves. Because as we have, unfortunately, in this day and time, some of the women, their, their fitra is corrupted. Some of the women have been um, tested with the, the fitna of lesbianism. And this is, I mean, this is, this, this is a real life situation. And these matters have to be addressed. So even when the women are amongst themselves, they have to be modest in their dress and not exposing, you know, certain aspects of their body that will stir up another woman's desires. When a woman goes out, she also has to lower her gaze just as the men have to lower her gaze. Just because you have hijab on sister doesn't mean you have the allowance to look at men. A sister may have, she's covered, she, especially if her face is covered. 
And some of our sisters, may Allah reward them, they cover even their eyes. And they can see out, but one can't see in. So maybe she thinks she has the allowance to look. No, you don't have the allowance to look. Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, وَقُولْ لِلْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَقْبُنَّ مِنْ And say to the believing woman to lower their gaze. So just as the believing men have to lower their gaze, likewise the believing women have to lower their gaze. The eyes are the windows to the heart. And just like when a man looks at a woman, he can become attracted to her, it's possible that a woman looks at a man and become attracted to that man. Women, they have desires too. So the women, they have to lower their gaze also, just as the men have to lower their gaze. Ibn Kathir, he mentioned, ذهب كثير من العلماء إلى أنه لا يجوز للمرأة أن تنظر إلى الأجانب بشهوة ولا بغير شهوة أصلا. Ibn Kathir he mentioned that many from amongst the ulama they hold that it is not permissible for the woman to look at foreign men with desires or without desires to begin with. Some women may have the understanding that it's allowed for her to look at a man if it's not done with desires. No. Allah says, lower your gaze. Also, when you come and go out to the masjid, my noble sisters, do your best not to mix with the men. As we already heard that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would sit and give time for the woman to leave the masjid. And this is in order that the men and the women do not mix. Likewise, from that which shows that the men and women should not mix, the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, خَيْرُ الصُّفُوفُ الرِّجَالِ أَوَّلُهَا وَشَرُّهَا آخِرُهَا وَخَيْرُ الصُّفُوفُ النِّسَاءِ آخِرُهَا وَشَرُّهَا أَوَّلُهَا the narration is in the Sahih of Imam Muslim. The Prophet ﷺ said the best rows or the ranks for the men are the first ranks, meaning the ones that's furthest away from the woman. And the worst ranks or the most evil ranks for the men are the last ranks because that's the closest to the woman. And the best ranks for the woman are the last ranks. And the worst ranks for the woman are the first ranks. This, the scholars, they say this is in the case when the women are praying directly behind the men. And there is no barrier. As for the case when there is a barrier, or the women, they have their own area in the masjid, and there are no men, then in this case, the best rank for the woman is the first rank. And similar to the men. But for the men in all cases, even if there are no women, the best rank for them is the first and the worst is the last. So the men should always try to be in the front. But for the woman, if the masjid does not have a separate area for the woman and they are praying directly behind the men, then they should try to be as far as away 
from the men as possible to avoid the اختلاط, the mixing between the men and the women. Another point That narration Is a refutation Against that which we have seen In this day and time Of The actions of some of the Muslims and it is ignorance and opposition to the deen where men and women are praying side by side. There's even one situation where there is a sister leading the salat and the men are praying behind her side by side. Wallahi, this makes you have doubt in the Islam of some of the people. And this is not to, to declare anyone to, to be a non-Muslim. This is not my position, it's not my place. But here, we have never in the history of the Prophet and the Sahaba did the best of the women lead the people in Salat. And I'm talking about the mothers of the believers. These women were the best of the women. Aisha radiallahu anha, she is the most knowledgeable woman of this ummah. You never find a narration where she led the Sahaba, the men, in Salat. And if anyone will have the right to lead, then it would have been her. But she does not have the right, or she did not have the right to lead the men in Salat. And she never led the men in Salat. Even though she is the one, radiallahu anha, that when disputes would take place between the Sahaba, they would go back to her for, for excuse me? For yeah, for clarification. Jazakallah khairan, Shaykh. Thank you. They would go to her for clarification, to show her status. She was a scholar, without a doubt. But even with her being a scholar, the most beloved of the wives to the Prophet ﷺ after Khadija radiallahu anha, you do not find that Aisha radiallahu anha led the people in Salat in the Prophet's masjid. The women and the men were separated. And is this oppression or protection? Protection, not oppression. So these are some rules and regulations we wanted to cover, and there are more, 
maybe next Sunday uh, in the sister's class we'll go over uh, some more of those rulings connected to the woman coming to the, ma the masjid the idhnillahi ta'ala uh, whatever is correct the praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone whatever is incorrect it is from myself wa subhanaka allahu wa hamdik ashadu an la ilaha ila anta astaghfirukum wa atubu ilayhi jazakumullah khairan